1: Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. It's actually really funny that we're saying hi to each other because we're sitting next to each other, sharing a microphone, and we've been together for three days
0: straight. <laughs> like Literally three days straight. I've been living in Vanessa's house. Okay, but I'm very excited to say hi, Vanessa. <laughs> we got a great listener question. Can I read it? Please. I'm going to read the whole thing because it starts like this. Hi. Love your social posts and your podcasts. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Especially when you give scripts and examples about what to say. I'm looking for some advice about disciplining without overreacting. My son is turning 13. He's a typical kid. He's very athletic and gets good grades. He just told me that he has his first girlfriend and he's been asking for more independence. And he's on his phone all the time. Smiley face. I usually give him a good amount of freedom because he's, quote, good and never given me reason not to. But today, I got an email from a Spanish teacher saying he blatantly
1: cheated on a test. Any advice? So we've decided to call this episode, Good Kid, Bad Decision. I feel like that could be the name of like a game show where parents of pubescent children get up and they like compete for like the good kid making the worst possible decision. Obviously not ones that involve like safety or anything like that, just like dumb stuff. So we totally get this. And cheating is a really, really upsetting accusation to receive from a teacher or a coach or a guidance counselor. So we can only imagine what this listener's reaction was when they received the email and that would be probably a red mist descending over them and also shame and also a desire to find their kid exactly in that moment, even if they were like in the middle of a sports game and grab them by the shoulders and throw them (laughs) to the ground. Sorry, that's not funny. So we're just imagining the state that this question was written in, which is a state of pain. Pain. And it
0: doesn't sound like the listener didn't believe the Spanish teacher. It sounded like the listener believed the teacher a hundred percent, leaving the parent in a state of Disbelief. Like, how do you hold these two things, these two truths together in one kid? Such a good kid, so responsible, so sweet, so communicative, all these things, and lying, right? Or cheating, which is a form of lying. And so, you know, as we begin to answer this question, I think probably one of the most effective ways to walk through it is to think about what might have happened, sort of to help the adult receiving this information, understand what narrative they're writing in their head, and then all the other possible narratives that could be true, because this is a metaphor for, it's not even a metaphor for, it's just an example of what happens time and time and time again through puberty and adolescence, which is, You think you've got a kid who's going to do one thing and then they go and do another. And what were they thinking? And the next step is to assume you know what they're thinking. But there are a lot of scenarios. So Vanessa and I started brainstorming what the scenarios could possibly be. So Vanessa, do you want to walk through like, what could it have looked
1: like in this room? So... We don't know what kind of blatant cheating it was. We don't know if they were looking at someone else's paper or had brought a cheat sheet into the class or was passing notes with somebody else. But we have to imagine that a kid is cheating for at least two reasons. One of which is they didn't study, they're underprepared, they panic, and they cheat in order to try to pass the test. That's totally human. It's very similar to lying, as Car mentioned. So that's one scenario to address. Another scenario is that they are feeling inordinate pressure to succeed and maybe the pressure feels outsized to how capable they feel of achieving whatever the expectation is. And they're cheating because they feel like that is the only way for them to meet the expectation that either they are placing on themselves or someone else is placing on them. And both of those scenarios, and Cara, I'll let you add some if you have any more, are things that you want to get underneath of and understand what's going on. The scenario that we would caution people from writing in their minds, as Brene Brown says, the story I'm telling myself. So the story you tell yourself ideally is not I have a horrible, immoral child and I've done a terrible job parenting them. I've completely failed. I'm disgusted and ashamed by my child and myself. We really, really caution you not to go all the way down that road because then it's really hard to help your kid and it's really hard to address the situation.
0: Right, or as Aliza Pressman might say, Right. The fear is that you have this kid who it turns out is just a cheater, you know, and that suddenly all of these positive attributes that you have listed in your mental checklist of who your kid is have all been completely pushed aside by this much bigger descriptor of cheater. And that's who he is for the rest of his life. And that is his story for the rest of his life. And of course, that's not the truth. What happened? happened in Spanish class once, one day. And so the question then becomes, and we get this question a lot, where do you give the kid the pass versus where do you double down on consequences? And this is where I'm going to bring brain development into the mix because it's not that I am advocating that kids get a pass for poor choices and poor choices can and should have consequences. But I want you to remember what the brain of a 12 or 13 year old looks like. It is mid construction. It is pruning, which means it's trying to get rid of neurons it doesn't need, but there's so much extra noise sitting around in the brain. It is mid-myelination, which means that only certain parts of the brain get signals quickly and other parts don't. And as you know, if you're listening to the Puberty Podcast, you've heard this a hundred times before, the part of the brain that is myelinated and sending and receiving messages the most quickly is the part of the brain that looks at risk and reward and says, let me at it. The part that is highly motivated, the part that is lit up by the idea of taking chances. And it is very possible that you have a very good, very thoughtful kid who gambled because he looked at the risk benefit ratio and thought the risk of cheating and getting caught cheating is less Than the downside of doing poorly on this exam. Even if the adult has not made the kid feel that way, something has made the kid feel that way because that's where the behavior comes from. So now to the question kind of, what do you do? Good kid, bad decision. Vanessa, how do you adult around that? And how do you allow things like brain maturation and maybe hormonal fluctuations play into the decisions about how you parent or adult around that?
1: So, like with everything else, every other script we give, or most other scripts we give, we want to find out where the kid is first. So, we get the email and we're like at an 11. And hopefully, by the time we have the conversation with the kid about the email we received about cheating, we're like, hopefully, under five, maybe not, but hopefully. And then it sounds like this. Hey, I got this email. It really surprised me. You're a wonderful kid. And I got an email that you cheated on your Spanish test. Do you want to tell me what happened? Right? So now we're opening up. We're making it clear what we've heard, what we've been told. We're opening up the opportunity for them to share their version of the story, which May or may not be true, but the point is not to litigate whether they're now lying to you after having cheated, which could make some people pretty darn upset. We want to find out where they go. Pay close attention. Do they say things like, I had a soccer game and I didn't have a chance to study? Or do they say things like, You know, I was up late on my phone and I forgot I had a test and I panicked. Like, listen closely to what clues they're giving you about why they might have cheated. Can I
0: jump in and just say, some kids are going to say, I didn't. Right. I didn't. And they're going to deny and deny. Okay. So for that kid, the question becomes, who then advocates on that kid's behalf? Is it you, the parent, who responds to the email that you got, or is it the child who goes in and says to the teacher, I think there's been a misunderstanding? And, you know, we're not therapists, but we know enough about puberty and adolescence to know that it's a very big ask to send a kid in to advocate for themselves, however, When a kid is willing to advocate for themselves, when they are willing to stand in front of an adult who is an authority figure in their life, a teacher, and say, My mom and I talked about this, or my dad and I talked about this, or my whoever and I talked about this, and I know that you think I cheated, and this is what happened. That becomes a really formative experience for that child. And usually a child who's willing to do that is a child who actually has not been whatever the crime is, right? Cheating or lying or whatever. When a child is willing to advocate for themselves, that says a lot to me about kind of, maybe there's a
1: misunderstanding in the story. What does it say about me that I just assume like the kid definitely cheated? (laughs) So I had this thing happen to me in high school. Oh, now, no, but now we're getting the root of it. I had
0: this thing happen to me in high school. I was not the cheater, but I was in, Spanish class. Okay. (laughs) This is amazing. I was in Spanish class and it was, you know, it was the eighties. We were in rows, none of these pods and like collaborative learning. So we were in rows and I was taking my Spanish test and I could feel the person behind me cheating off of me. Mm -hmm. I could, you know, when you Mm -hmm. feel it and I could feel it. And I, she was a year older and I didn't, I couldn't say anything. I, It's intimidating to turn around and tell someone to stop cheating, let alone someone who's a whole year older. So I didn't say anything. I finished my Spanish test at school where if you finished your test early, you stayed in the room. Mm -hmm. So I took out my math book and I started doing my math homework, turned in my Spanish test, right? And I started doing my math. And I kid you not, this really happened. She tapped me on the shoulder and said, can you move over to the left? I can't see. Meaning she couldn't see my paper. Oh my God. And I said, I'm doing my math homework now. (laughs) (laughs) That was my only confrontation of cheating. But even that experience, this note takes me back to that because when you're cheated off of, you are part of the cheating. And I never turned her in. I never talked to the teachers and I could In 2022, my mom could have gotten an email that your daughter cheated because part of that accusation is being complicit in someone else's cheating. So that's another thing to hold in this whole story.
1: If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes.
0: Which is why we created the Um OomShort. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders, in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend.
1: We throw our factor meals in the microwave. it takes two minutes and. Out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious and I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies.
0: So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule
1: depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to com slash puberty50 and use the code PUBERTY50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is PUBERTY50 at com slash PUBERTY50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately, I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine, and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep. And I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky. And I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other
0: magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, magnesium breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause.
1: We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them.
0: Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So
1: this will tell you something. I... <laughs> In 7th grade, I wrote a paper about Romeo and Juliet and my teacher accused me of plagiarizing it because it was so good. <laughs> and I was like, that is doubly insulting. Like not only are you accusing me of cheating when I didn't, but you're you're accusing me of cheating because it's too good and you assume I didn't write it. That's pretty And she, I don't remember her addressing it with my parents. I think she like Wrote it. I might even have that paper somewhere. But she wrote it like on. She gave me the grade. By the way, she only gave me an A minus. It's not even like she gave me an A plus. And then she wrote like, "Are you sure you wrote this paper?" Or something like that. Wait. So I want to get back to the question. Enough storytelling for me and Cara. I want to get back to the issue of consequences. So one of the things is that we want to make sure the consequences aren't too harsh or too outsized, where it feels inappropriately draconian to our kid. One thing I like, if let's say they fessed up and they did it and you figured out what's going on, do they need you to sit and help them study for the Spanish test? Do they need to get off their phone earlier because they're not making enough time to study? Are they struggling and they need to go see Spanish support at school? Whatever it is, you've gotten to the bottom of that. You know, there need to be consequences So I like to ask my kids what they think is a fair consequence. I find this hilarious. And I'm not kidding. They usually come up with really excellent consequences. They do.
0: I'm sitting next to (laughs) Vanessa recording on one microphone, eating dinner with her family each night. Like I can tell you, they come up with good, very fair consequences. But I find it hilarious because... It's a wonderful strategy, except in the extremes. (laughs) When there's an extreme issue, kids are never really going to give themselves extreme consequences, except for the rare kid who does everything, is such a pleaser, does everything according to plan, And then we don't know know anyone like that and messes up a little and then says my consequence should be, I should be grounded for a year. You know, there's that kid, but by and large, I think it is a really interesting strategy. So talk about how this parent might decide to let
1: her child give his own consequence. I think it could sound something like, I'm obviously really disappointed that you did this. Dear listeners, my dog Marty has just entered the room because he's in love with Kara. Even though he's terrified of strangers, he loves Kara. So he's now sitting with us while we record. Marty, what do you think the consequence should be? Silence. You can say, it's really disappointing to me. You violated your teacher's trust. You violated my trust. I think you owe your teacher an apology letter. So that's like, to me, that's non-negotiable you should lose some privileges, right? And the listener listed some privileges that this kid has. Is this your
0: preamble to them coming up with their own consequences? This is excellent. So they're not really coming up with their own consequences. Okay,
1: well, it's, you know, kids like limits. I'm giving limits. (laughs) Now we agree. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, a 10 minute lecture before asking the kid. And then you can say, listen, you're asking for more independence, but you violated my trust. And it makes it hard for me to give you more independence or to even keep you at the same level of independence when I'm not feeling super trustful of you. So what do you think is a fair consequence to your cheating?
0: Okay, I love that solution. I have nothing to add because what you did is- shocked. shocked. Yeah, because you gave all of the consequences I would have given, and
1: then you've (laughs) asked your kids to add to the list. Well, sometimes it's not always like genuine. I mean, it's not not genuine, but like- we're giving some boundaries around the consequences and you're giving some of the emotional reasoning why there need to be consequences. So in a way you're leading the witness, which kids sometimes need, and then you're letting them participate in it.
0: So two really important things to land on. The first is that when Vanessa opened with how she might actually begin the conversation with a kid, she left her anger outside the room. She was not upset. She was not fuming or venting. She did not make it about her. She didn't say, you made me feel so sad and upset when I got this note from the teacher. And I think that's a really important piece to begin with. And then where it lands, especially, I think, if you take a tact where you let your kids make their own consequences, is you also let go of your anger or your sadness or your distrust as they get through the process of sort of serving the consequence out. In other words, the whole point of this exercise is for them to learn and for you to forgive them their screw up, they're going to screw up, and go back to the place. Maybe you're going to have 99% of the trust instead of 100% of the trust, but let them earn the last percent back and get their. The thing to avoid, especially heading into these years of so much physical and emotional change, is docking them credential points every time they mess up. So much so that by the time they get to hurdles where they really need the adult in their life to be standing by their side, there's a huge amount of distance between you. So if you have lost trust, seek help from someone who can help you and the child in your life rebuild it. It's really important over the next few years for them to be able to lean on you, which means that you do have to be able to trust them.
1: Yep. And you can say, find another adult who you trust and say, I am so upset. I feel so violated. I feel so hurt. Like, I I just need a breath. I need to tell someone else, don't tell the whole mom's group at like drinks night out or whatever, because again, this is your kid's academic reputation and it should be protected, but you can tell someone that you trust how you're feeling and then take a breath and just take a moment to, to reset because they are kids. And the temptation is to say, you are a cheater. You are a horrible person, but we don't want to globalize those kinds of things with our kids. We want them to feel optimistic and hopeful that they can come back from mistakes and regain our trust and resurrect their reputations after messing up.
0: We don't want to write the story for them either. And if we are labeling them with these descriptors, then we are sort of writing their, their fate as well. So I think the take home is enter the conversation after your own internal temperature has come down, let your child explain the situation, but be very clear that you have knowledge and information. Don't apologize for having that information. Don't backpedal with, you have information. Now, what do they have to say about it? Try even as strategy, which is give them a bunch of consequences and then ask them what they think their
1: consequences <laughs> should be. And then I think that was a slightly sarcastic (laughs) (laughs) wink. And then at the end
0: of it, either forgive them their issue of the moment, or if you can't, go get a little help around how you solve and repair so that as time goes on, the rift doesn't grow. That's what I would do.
1: Yeah, and you can say, I love you even when you mess up. I'm still feeling angry and hurt. So I'm going to take a minute and I may not feel amazing about you tomorrow or the day after. But it's very hard for kids when our behavior towards them lasts a long time, when we hold grudges towards our kids or give them the cold shoulder, because then it really makes them feel like we don't love them. So back to the original question good kids do bad things and it doesn't make them bad kids. And you can say that verbatim to your child and make sure they know that you believe in their goodness and that you love them while still holding them accountable for their mistake. I'm going to say bye to Kara, even though we're sitting right next to each other. <laughs> bye, Vanessa. Bye.
0: Thanks so much for listening you can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye.